I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And good morning, we welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the winning of the lost and the edification of God's saints. Gospel Dynamite is a ministry of Asbury Baptist Church located at 218 Asbury Church Road, Seagrove, North Carolina. I invite you to visit our church on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. You're also invited to visit our website, www.asburybaptist.org. In addition, you can reach more messages and more Bible teaching on gospeldynamite.org as well. Now will you join me in studying the Word of God? You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. I ask you to take your Bible, turn with me to Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15, we deal with the subject, the great white throne judgment. The great white throne Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found, written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. Years ago, there was a young foreign student. He had flunked out of the University of Michigan. In shame, he decided to disappear. For the next four years, he hid in an unused attic of an Ann Arbor church, taking great pains to conceal himself. He quietly prowled around only at night. He lived off the food and the water that was in the kitchen of the church. He never left the building. He never spoke to a soul. No one ever expected that he was even there. Then one day, he gave a slight mistake away that revealed his presence. Accidentally, the young recluse made some noise. The police were called, and finally he was discovered. Now, how foolish this young man was to try to hide from his failure. Still, he is not as foolish as that person who thinks that they can hide from God. The world is filled with people who live as though they have no sin. They live as though God does not exist. They live as though they will never face God in judgment. What they hope for will never come to pass. These verses tell us about a judgment day. 
They speak about that terrible day when every lost sinner will face the Lord God in judgment. There will be no place to hide on that day. No one will hide behind their excuses, their ignorance, their false professions. Everyone will face Jesus Christ as Lord and judge, and they will all receive a just sentence for their sins. Now before I begin, I want you to know there will not be one single born-again individual that stands in judgment at the great white throne. This is completely a judgment seat for the lost. I would show you in verse 11. We see the judge in the great white throne, and we see the picture in this throne. There are two adjectives used to describe the very throne that's in question here. It's called great. The word refers to its power. This is the highest court in the universe. This is not civil court. This is not superior court. This is no small claims court. When judgment is rendered from this throne, there is no appeal to a higher court. For there is no higher court at all. This is the place of highest authority. This is the place of final judgment. We can best understand this type of court by comparing it to our Supreme Court. There is no higher court in the land. All judgments rendered here will be final. The second adjective we have describing this throne is white. This speaks of its purity. All human courts are tainted by sin, prejudice, fallibility. This court, on the other hand, is absolutely perfect. And the judgment rendered here will be perfectly fair and righteous. The judge who occupies this bench is invaluable. He cannot be tainted by sin or prejudice, but he renders judgment in perfect righteousness and fairness. Not a single person judge here will ever be able to cry unfair. Every sinner judged and sentenced will know that they have received perfect and fair judgment. The Bible tells us, in addition, that this throne is occupied by a person. His identity is not revealed here, but the Bible tells us in other places just who is on this throne. The man on this throne is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. John 5, 27, verse 30, myriad of other verses the Savior will be the sentencer in that day, which brings us to identifying his nature. This is no lowly Nazarene who occupies this throne. 
This is not a poor, humble carpenter. This is a resurrected conqueror. This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. His appearance is described for us by the prophet Daniel in Daniel 7, 9, and 10. His presence is so terrible and powerful that even the heavens and the earth flee from before him. Nature has the good sense to bow before this judge. Why is it that sinners have such a difficult time doing the same thing? It's also worthy to note that this is where the earth is purified by fire. Second Peter 3, 10 through 13, Revelation 21 and verse 1. God destroys this ruined creation and he remakes the universe as it was before sin invaded and devastated it. I just want to remind you that we still live in the day of grace. During this time in history, a sinner can come before God and cry out for forgiveness. And the Lord will receive them and save them by his grace. Today is the day of grace. Today is the day of forgiveness. Today is the day of repentance. Today is the day of salvation. Today is a day of mercy. And there will be none of those things given out on this particular day. Only judgment, swift and sure judgment, will issue from this great white throne and from the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that there was no place found for the heavens and the earth to hide from the gaze of the one on the throne. It needs to be remembered and reminded here that this righteous judge sees all and knows all. There is no sin hidden from him and no thought has ever been concealed. There will be no pretending. There will be no pretense on that great judgment day, but only a sure recounting of every sinful deed and every sinful thought. Luke 8, 17, Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 14. Nothing, absolutely nothing will be hid. Now some think that they're getting away with things down here, but the truth is, God knows everything about you. He knows what you're doing. He knows what you're thinking. He knows everything that there is to know about you. You haven't hidden a single thing from God. And you can be sure one day, those sins will come back to your attention blatantly, and they will come back to haunt you. You will not hide from this righteous judge. He will know all there is to know about you before you appear in his presence. He knows you intimately. But I'd also show you in verses 12 and 13, justice and the great white throne. We're told that those appearing before the throne are the dead. This proves that there will be not a single born-again believer in the group. Why? Because the Bible tells us that we who have trusted Christ as our Savior, John 5, 24, have passed from death unto life. We've been given eternal, abundant life through the blood of the Lamb and can never lose that 
or be dead again forever. This can only mean one thing. This mass of humanity will be made up completely of those who are spiritually dead, Ephesians 2.1. We must note also that this group includes all the spiritually dead. God raises their dead bodies from their tombs. He knows where every particle of human dust is located. And he is most able to bring it together and raise it to life. He calls their bodies from the ground, their souls from hell. He reunites them in a pitiful procession of anguish and hopelessness. No one is left out. The king, the pauper, the general, the foot soldier, the master, the slave, the borrower, the lender, all stand before God. None will escape and none will hide, but all will face the righteous judge in judgment that day. Preachers, deacons, church members, popes, priests, nuns, choir members, drunks, whores, drug addicts, pimps, pushers, grandmothers, grandfathers, teenagers, moms and dads. We'll all stand together with Cain, Judas, and Hitler and every other person who chose wickedness over righteousness. They're going to stand before the throne to face their judgment. There'll be no escape and there'll be no exceptions. Every person who's ever died without Christ will face him in this judgment on this particular day. Verse 13 reminds us that all who've died, regardless of where they died, will appear before Jesus in judgment. Even those who are in hell will be brought out for this judgment. Every lost sinner from Cain to the last sinner slain in the millennial kingdom will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. This horrible assembly stands trembling before the Lamb of God. They're forced to look on him, look on the one who they have sped upon, who they've cursed. They see the nail prints in his hands. They see where the thorns pierced his brow. They see the awful things he suffered to atone for sin. They see him as he is, and they're filled with fear. The Bible tells us here that the books will be open. Only one of these books is named, and it's called the Book of Life. Now, in all honesty, I don't know all the books that will be used on this day, but I am sure a few will be open. I want to share with you several of them. Number one, you will notice that the Bible will be present and open. Jesus himself reminded us that he would judge from his word, John 12, 48. This Bible that sinners mock and refuse to heed will be used to render judgment upon their lives that day. Better to believe it now and go to heaven than reject it and face it in judgment and go to hell. Secondly, the book of deeds. In heaven, 
A record is being maintained of the deeds of all men. One day, every lost person will stand before the Lord and hear the record of his life read from the throne. Every deed, both good and evil, will be brought forward. Every sin will be read aloud. Sins of commission, sins of omission, flagrant sins, secret sins, sins of the mind, sins of the heart. All will be broken before every sinner that day. Verse 12 makes it clear that the lost will be judged according to their works. A man can either choose to stand on his own record and face God in his sins, or he can come to Christ and have his record expunged. Faith in Christ wipes that record clean, replaces the record of our sins with the record of his righteousness. When our book is open, all it says, seek Calvary and an empty tomb. This record is clear. But I believe there'll be a third book there among the others, and that's the book of life. Now this is just for you to consider, but I am of the opinion that there is a book of life or a book of the living. Every name of every person who would ever be born was in the book of the living. Revelation 3, 5, Revelation 17, verse 8. When a sinner dies without trusting Christ as his Savior, their name is removed from this book. And while your name remains, there's hope for you. But when you die or when you reject Christ, for the last time you're numbered with the eternally dead. And there's no more opportunity for you to be saved. And then fourth, I would say there'd be the Lamb's Book of Life. This book contains the names of those who are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. When a sinner repents, their name is written in this book. This is the reason that Jesus told his disciples to rejoice in Luke 10 and verse 20. This book records who has and who has not accepted Jesus as their Savior. And when the great white throne comes about, both this book and the book of life will match perfectly. Imagine the horror of standing there on that day and hearing your sins recounted. Imagine being forced to admit your sins and the fact that you're a sinner. Then imagine Jesus opening the book of life and showing you where your name was removed. Then imagine him opening the Lamb's book of life and showing you that every slot in that book is filled and your name does not appear. Is this fantasy? Well, I don't think so at all. It is a time of such horror that nothing in life can compare with it. You need to be sure that you are born again. 
You need to be sure that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I would get that settled immediately. The last phrase in verse 13 says it all. When these books are open, judgment is rendered based on the evidence found in the books. My friend, you can be sure that the evidence is accurate and the record is complete. It's worthy of noting that every person will stand on his own regardless of the excuse you use to justify not coming to Christ today. And that day, you will stand under judgment by yourself. It won't make any difference who hurt you. It will not make any difference who stood in your way. It will not make any difference what hypocrite you looked at and blamed the reason why you did not come to God. It will come down to you and Jesus Christ. How much better is it to come to Christ in this day when there's still hope for Christ, salvation, than in that day when there is no hope and there's nothing but judgment? Verses 14 and 15. We have judgment and the great white throne. The sentence rendered from this bench is death, but not just physical death, but the second death, which is eternal separation from God in the fires of the lake of fire. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. My friend, this death does not involve dying. There is no end to the torment. There is no end to hell. There's no end to the awful nature of what the sinner will face. It will be an eternal state of dying apart from the presence of God or anything good. It will be hell. It is the death that Paul re referenced in Romans 6 and verse 23 as the wages of sin. Imagine the horror of hearing Jesus say the words that will condemn you to eternal torment. Imagine hearing him say the words from Matthew 25, verse 41. Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Imagine living your life the way you wanted it, without regard for God or his will. And then having to hear the Lord who loved you enough to die in your place speak those awful words. There could be nothing so terrible. Some of those will hear him say, I never knew you. There is no record of your birth. Depart from me. King Agrippa's on that list. Felix is on that list. Judas is on that list. The rich young ruler, all on that list. And perhaps the only thing that equals that would be for you to be a righteous person, a church member, a regular attendee of the Lord's worship services, and then have to stand before him 
and hear him pass judgment on your life. That very scene is spoken of in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Don't let that happen to you. Come to Christ while there's time. Come to Jesus while there's grace. Come to Jesus while there's hope. Because this judgment is final. There will be no appeals. All judgments rendered from this bench will be final and binding. This will be the last day any of these sinners ever see. This will be the end of the road for them, for they will forever be consigned to the lake of fire to suffer torment for eternity. And many don't believe this is true. They deny the reality of hell and claim that such a notion is old-fashioned, is out of date. The Bible tells us that hell is real and that lost sinners do indeed go there to spend eternity. Psalm 917, Luke 16, verses 19 through 31. It is foolish only in the sense that it did not have to happen. Any sinner who's willing to repent and turn to Christ alone, by faith alone, can be eternally saved. The precious blood Jesus Christ shed on Calvary is sufficient to the saving of any sinner who calls upon him. The grace of God is sufficient for every sinner who will come regardless of the depths of their sin. Romans 5 verse 20. The love of God for the Lord is sufficient to receive all who will come to him by faith. John 6 and verse 37. Please don't do the foolish thing and die without Christ. Come to him now while the door is open. I believe this is the most horrible scene mentioned in the entire Bible. And I think the concept of people perishing forever is terrible beyond description. However, as horrible as it is, it is true nonetheless. If you've never been born again, my friend, this is your time. You need to come to Christ. And for those of us who are saved, this passage reminds us of the terrible need of the world around us. If nothing else, it ought to move us to come before the Lord and cry out for the souls of our friends, our neighbors, our loved ones who need Christ. It should stir our hearts so that we will not rest. And we've tried to tell every lost person that we know that salvation is available to them if they will come to the Lord Jesus Christ.